said no to Pink Floyd. But he said yes. <laughs> he said yes to Toto. And he said yes to Super Tramp. And he said yes to working on projects, you know, working with Scorpions, working with Bon Jovi, working with Rolling Stones, working with Janet Jackson, working with a lot of amazing people. But before he joined Pink Floyd, he said no. You know, I guess based on this photo here that I found, it wasn't too much cocaine. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the person that I'm going to bring here on the screen today, we're going to have a great time. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to bring somebody here today. Freaking awesome. The myth, the man, the legend, entrepreneur, guitarist, saxophonist, play for Pink Floyd, played for Toto, played for Super Tramp, CEO of Tink EXP, amazing lecture professor, amazing human being. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to bring <laughs> on the stage, Scotty Payne. That was the most epic intro I've ever had. <laughs> Dude, I get hired. All my people that come on the show, they yeah. love it. Because you know how we roll, Scotty, right? It's all about experience. And Absolutely. You, you are a master of creating experiences. Because that's what people, you know how it is? They forget what you say, but they always remember how you make them feel. Exactly, you, my brother. You are just legendary when it comes to creating experience, and I, you know, I just love you as a brother. You and I got to know each other over the years. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's always such an honor, you know, to have you. And You're too to kind, you. brother. First of all, I got to tell you, actually, I didn't say no to Pink Floyd. I almost said no to Pink Floyd. Almost. It was a little different because it was an interesting story. I had gotten called. I was playing with Supertramp. Dave Gilmore came on to play on the Supertramp record. I invited him. We kind of hung out that day, and then I invited him to a little gig. I was playing just down the street that night with a whole bunch of great players. So they came down. We became kind of buddies and stuff. And... Um, uh, I invited him to this thing. And then, you know, a little bit later, a week or so later, I got this call uh, to go put a solo on the Pink Floyd record. So I went and I put the solo on the record. It was great. Met him, hung out with Bob Ezra and all those guys. It was fantastic. Came back. And then uh, a few days later, I got a call from Dave to come join the band, to go do this whole tour and this whole thing. But here's the funny part. I knew nothing about Pink Floyd. <laughs> At that time, I really, I, honest to God, honest to God, I really, I knew the name of the band. I think I might have heard Have a Cigar because I was really focused on um, kind of in the R&B space, you know, Junior Walker and Stevie Wonder and all that kind of funk and playing some jazz and stuff. And so I wasn't really paying attention to that music that much. And so when I got the call, I had to go, well, you know, Dave, let, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me get back to you because I had just finished this big pro or just shot this big project. I was in the middle of it. So I called my friends up and I said, you know, I got called a couple of weeks ago or a week or 10 ago to play on this for this band, Pink Floyd. And I went and put a solo on the record. They go, Pink Floyd. I said, yeah, yeah, it was cool. I put this solo on. It was a lot of fun. I got to meet these guys. And then I got this call a couple of days later from this English guy, Dave Gilmore, to go 
go out and tour with them, right? To go play and start playing with the band and join the band. So, but at the time I was like, I didn't know anything about Pink Floyd. So I thought, well, you know, I'm doing kind of my project. And he says, yeah, we're going out for two years. Two years on the road. That's like a, you leave town for two years. That's a pretty big freaking commitment, right? So I'm like, you know, I don't know about this. I, I got to, so, so I call my friends up and I start telling them, I play the thing, you played on a Pink Floyd record. Oh my God, are you kidding me? And I said, I got called up. Dude, you got to, I said, I don't, I don't know anything about this. I, they, Dude, you have to take that. You got to take that gig. So that night I ended up going to Tower Records because I didn't know. And Tower Records used to be open 24-7. That was when they were albums. And I went upstairs. I went up there and I got the records and I came back to my house. I listened to them and everything. I called a few more friends and everybody was saying, you got to do that. So I called Dave back. I took the gig. And thank you, God, for making me smart enough to take that job. (laughs) And then, ladies and gentlemen, Dave changed my life. Smith, the legend to the house. Look at that. Look at that, no, man. Look at that hair, wow. that mullet, man. That was the, uh, that was definitely the hair there, my brother. I'm telling you, man. Good old day. Man, what, it's kind of like, you know, first time, right? First time you get there on the stage and, and like how many people were there? And then what did that the, the feel like it? It wasn't like, you know, just uh, walk us through like the, the feelings. I always love to like, uh, I like to go deep inside the mind. Like the behind the scene, the shit that nobody knows, right? The cocaine with Madonna. Oh, no, no, not that. You know, (laughs) you know, I like to go behind the scenes, like, you know, like getting there, the first arena, and you're like, holy shit, this is for real. Well, you know, where the the real the real first aha moment was for me with Pink Floyd is when we arrived in Toronto, because we rehearsed in Toronto, and we rehearsed out on the tarmac at the Toronto Airport International Airport in one of those giant hangars, right? And so we get, I remember going the first day, getting there, and they take us to the airport, and we had to go get on these trams that would wait for the planes to go by and shuttle us out to this place. And I walked into this room, and here was this giant airplane hangar. There were beds flying, the biggest lighting system. I mean, this thing was insane, the amount of stuff that was going on in this place. And I remember looking back, and 747s are going by, the biggest laser lights. Because, you know, Floyd, their whole thing is they make it really grand. When I saw that, the first thing I went, holy cow, that was like the first moment I said, this is really a big deal. But, you know, it's interesting. We've done so many incredible gigs. I mean, that tour at the time was the largest tour in history. Uh, when we went around, we went around the world basically twice. We probably could have went around again and pretty much selling out every venue around the world, doing incredible shows. I mean, we did, I mean, there was like four shows or three or four shows that were just extraordinary experiences. And that was when we played the Palace of Versailles, set up, 90,000 people came massive lasers out out in front of the place that was just an story it was really the only time first time anybody had played there crazy uh giant stadium we did three nights four nights there in a row it was incredible just powerful energies and then we played these some of these really strange gigs over in europe some of these like uh, uh coliseums and stuff out there so they were all these crazy but the one show that was just forget it was over the top oh i forgot one other one that was incredible russia because when we brought the, the the whole the whole band and all that stuff to Russia, they had big concerts in those days, right? That was crazy. And we did, I think it was like ten nights and thirty five thousand sold out every night, 
And uh, that's a crazy story. I could get into it. But the number one show, drum roll. Greatest show I ever played and could be considered one of the greatest shows, rock shows in history any band has ever put on, put on is when we played Venice. We basically, they floated these two barges down, each one the size of a football field wow. from Oslo. Took two weeks. They set it up 150 yards out in front on the water in front of St. Mark's Square. We lit the entire buildings as far as you could go. It took five days to set this thing up. Trucks full. I mean, everything was set up there. There's a giant show, the maser lighters, and it was a free concert. And wow. hundreds of thousands of people came in on venice and you could not move in that town where in order like there were some people sleeping on boats and on their gondolas out in the water to try to maintain their space as the city filled up right and you can go online people can go look pink floyd venice and you can start looking at that show was incredible and we broadcast that show to i think about 126 countries around the world and it was interesting we didn't get live broadcast satellite link up until like the last two minutes of the show because we had gone through rains and it was incredible it would have to get this thing out but it, luckily the day the show came the suns came out it was beautiful people as far as you could see the city the streets lined just jammed lit all over this thing and we went out and played this show and it's incredible and you can go see that now and actually floyd just released a whole new mix and edits of that whole show again they up can't up sample it the 4k it's beautiful it's one that i think if you want to go see a great floyd show that was it so that show was unbelievable so i can imagine bro like just like the feeling and i always wanted to be like a rock and roll guy you know the, the, on the stage like i mean people in brazil chile argentina they filled up stadiums to see you guys i'm talking about like oh, yeah. 50 to 100 000 people like it was sold out just like that like in days you oh, didn't yeah. even have to wait it you oh, know no, it was crazy it was it, crazy we, that band you know what's so interesting about pink floyd is is the brand right the brand is so deep worldwide. I mean, it is it is in a global sense. It's like, you know, when you think of the the kind of the bands that will go down as the top five, ten bands of all time, you know, you got the Beatles, the Stones, you got the Who, you got Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd's right in there. You know, so it's like those that band and that band across the world. We used to laugh that, you know, your, your tour pass, you know, the thing you wear around your neck. We used to call that the key to the universe. <laughs> because it would be funny. We'd go to a restaurant, like we're just walking down, we're in some country and stuff. We go to the restaurant. Oh, sorry, we we're full. We can't we can't let you in. Hold up that pass. Oh, right this way, sir. <laughs> so, because you guys will drive so much traffic from other countries. Talk about branding. It's just brilliant. The way how Floyd and ACDC Idol made and Led Zeppelin done their branding yeah. is brilliant. And we can learn so much from that in business because <laughs> You guys go from the point of, you know, like, oh, go buy this ticket. No, no, no. We wanted to buy the ticket. You want to build the experience. You guys are building that Christmas day. And it's something that I'm constantly teaching people that they are listening to us on our podcast. They come to our events. And I tell them, you got to build that Christmas day. You got to build that big void going to that concert. And when you start getting to those feelings, 
game yeah. over. And that's yeah. when the brand it changes the game. And speaking of that, Scott, I mean, you're creating an entire blue ocean with one of your projects that mm. I actually wanted to ask you. And so I want you to tell me more about something here, and I'm going to actually bring something to the screen. Tell me more about the Stink e experience, e baby. You know, yes. immersive experience, innovative platform, yeah. cutting edge. I know about it, but um, tell us about that and what are you doing? And I love one word that you guys use that, which is stop looking down, look up, because yes. you know it, baby. When you fall down and you can look up, you can get up. Right. Come on, baby. I mean so, you know, that's interesting. You know, I know you, I knew you would get that because, you know, my, my favorite subject of all time is consciousness. Yeah. Right. And so how we operate in things. And so think experience is a company that's because we figured we, we found out, listen, you can't sell music anymore. There's yeah. no place to sell music. We can't download it. You don't have no CD player. Somebody hands me a CD. I'm like, well, what do I do with that? Right. So the whole business model is really around live streaming now. But that's a very difficult business for you know 95% or 98% of all the artists out there because the business model really doesn't work. You know, I've been kind of a serial entrepreneur for years. I'm, I think is my fourth company. I've been lucky. I took one company public, seventh level in the uh, you know the CD-ROM. So I've been a tech technologist, entertainment business kind of guy for years. And I just realized that the business model changed, can't sell music anymore. So what can you sell? Well, it always comes down. And this is the new model for everybody, right? It's basically, what can you sell? You can sell the relationship and the lifestyle. You got a cool lifestyle. I mean, obviously in the educational products, things go around. And the third is the experience. Everything is about experience. It goes back to that brand. You want that brand to represent specific types of experiences. So think is really thinking about, well, where is entertainment going? And especially now during this COVID thing, right? You know, I, we woke up, I woke up one day and realized this was going to be my biggest year for think we were going to be the biggest, this was going to be our biggest, it, you know, we, this was our year breakout year. It was going into our second year. Things were rocking. We were going to play jazz fest. We were going to do, uh, we had Europe booked. We were getting ready to launch. We were in the middle of putting up this 1600 seat, the most state of art, the art immersive theater in Long Beach. Um, we had just finished playing close to 40 shows in this 360 degree immersive dome, you know, sold out shows and we were rocking. Everything was good. And I wake up one morning and all of a sudden this COVID thing hits and all of a sudden cancel, cancel, cancel. Everything's gone. So I woke up one morning and I said, wow, all revenue gone, <laughs> all gigs gone. Everything we've been working for gone. Now, instead of going the funk, I went, thank God I didn't sign that contract for, for, for Long Beach. I'm so thankful. So I turned her because remember, there's always an upside in down. Yes. Right? You always and find light to, in darkness. What yeah. I try to tell everybody, remember, this is a very important concept to grasp. The only thing that is real is you and me talking right now. Yes. Everything real. else is an illusion. Yes. Five minutes ago, can't touch it, can't change it. Five minutes from now, I, I don't know. I can 
freaking pass out. I have no, I, I can't touch it. I can't change it. It's just going to happen as it's going to happen. Everything happens the way it's supposed to happen in this. We cannot control, right? The internet could shut down right now. We cannot control who's going to win. For the is all control. All we can control is the meaning and the feelings that we're going to sign for this moment. I love what you say there, Scott, because something that I always like to talk about here in this show is that sometimes God puts a Goliath in your life for you to find the David with win yeah. somewhere in the Bible, LOL. You know? yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, really, remember, remember all these things, when you suffer, that's if you, once you take a different point of view, you realize there's a gift. And what I mean by that, and I'm not saying, you know, yeah, it's great, but what happens is it gives you an opportunity to take a different type of look. Because when you suffer and you're, you're going to the point where you just can't take it more, finally, you'll just say, I can't take this suffering anymore. I've got to do something about it. And that's when people start to take an inward journey, right? Which goes to basically, who am I? What is this all really about? Where am I, right? And so the suffering can actually be a very positive sign. So when I looked at my situation where everything stopped, all our revenue, everything finished, at that day, I said, hey, I didn't go to Jazz Fest. I didn't. It was just an illusion in my head. I could imagine doing those gigs. I could imagine being there. We may have had them on the books, but they never happened because I don't know what would have happened. So that's why the future, it, 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 the future takes care of itself. Yes. When you grasp onto things that are so important and you put all your, your energies, this has got to happen this way. That's when you suffer because what matters is, is the step that you're taking right now. The only thing that matters is the step you're taking now because it's the only thing that's real. And it's the only thing that you can actually have some impact over. So I decided at that point, okay, great. I'm still good. I'm drinking coffee things. Nothing's really changed. I just don't have these gigs. And I started thinking again about, okay, What's going to happen? Well, knowing as an entrepreneur, whenever these types of things come along, this shakeup like this and confusion lies the opportunities. Mm. Like I can tell you right now in my entire life, this is my fourth business. I've been doing this a long time. This is without a doubt the greatest time I've ever seen in history for an entrepreneur. Yes. There is so many problems that need to be changed, fixed. There are so many things happening. We've crammed five years where I thought we would be technology-wise. In other words, us doing this two-way stuff and all this was really five years out. We were just getting into teleconferencing and this whole idea of real time, right? And now we got jam, boom, forced in six months where people had to go, oh, what do I do now, right? It's like, okay, now we've got our studio set up. We're doing, we're communicating like this. We're, we're doing things that are just totally different. We're, you know, look at where Zoom is at. I mean, we're hanging out with five of our friends while we're watering the yard and stuff. So this idea of virtual in real time two-way started really making me think about what's going to happen. So I think I start, we started looking at where's the entertainment business going to go? Well, I know it's going to be technology driven. I'm a technologist. So I know I focus, I spend a lot of time staying, being close to the market and understanding technology. So yeah, stop nickeling down, look up, baby. Got to look up, right? Uh, there's a lot to look up for. So um, anyway, um, we, we know it's going to be that. So I realized that the three key is, is this, we're going to have live events, but they're going to be different now. They're not going to be like thousands and thousands of me jammed in the spaces and stuff, at least not for a while, right? So that changes the behavior. There's a lot of people aren't going to want to leave their homes. They may have parties and things at their houses and do stuff. So I realize oh, there's going to be top of a building, yeah, <laughs> top of a building, right? Uh, and so there's going to be uh, 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 these events. So the concept is really what I see the next wave is a live event, which would be a premium ticket. 
tied to streaming, but two-way, really focusing on the interactive real-time part of it. Because I can bring fans in the stream now. I can do a live show. I can start interacting. So I, those are great. It's yeah. not a one-way experience where I sit back and lean back. I can now be part of that experience. And I can now, at the, my gigs, I can bring the audience in through screens. I can have people from all over the world sitting there while I'm playing. We just actually did an experiment of that. But the third thing that makes it and changes it and makes it really interesting is the concept of delivery services. Mm. Because now I can have a show that's going to go on at 7 o'clock and I could have had something delivered to you that can be part of the interactive experience that I may have where I'm at the live event and you're at home, but we can share a glass of wine together. That's the same wine, or we can experience things specifically together. So think is getting ready to launch our company. We've been focusing on this. We're actually shooting our show. And I want you to be uh, there also for our show virtually at least um, we're getting ready to launch living L I V N dot live. And living is this fundamental principle. We all want to get back to living. Yes. We're done. Amen. This whole thing is done. Let's get back to living. And so this is a show that is like, I would say it's kind of a variety kind of Saturday night live meets uh, the morning show meets playboy after dark, but a kind of a mashup where we can now hang with people in a live experience. We're shipping boxes to people's to their houses and we're getting ready to unload uh, uh, just this whole new concept with a plan of doing 40 of these next year. And I'm um, very excited about it. That's so awesome. Definitely. I would love to be that in person. Are you guys shooting those inside the domes? No, we're actually doing it at a place in Los downtown Los Angeles, which is soundstage. So we have the soundstage. We're outside. We have a whole other area. So we have immersive places and everything. And it's just, we get to hang out. We've got comedians. We've got, we're doing wine tasting. We're doing, we have food. I mean, it's crazy. It's going to be I, a really I love cool it. experience. I'll be there. We'll do yeah. another show. You come back on my show again right before that. We'll talk about it, the whole experience. Yeah. So that will drive a bunch of people to come and hang yeah. out because people, they miss that, Scott. Oh, and yeah. right now, because you guys, the innovation that you guys are bringing in, bro, uh, with your company, uh, Think EXP is just amazing. I love it. I love Thank it. Because I went to the domes myself. I experienced how the, the you know, the domes, you know, they have this cool, uh, like, uh, sofa, lazy sofa. Yeah, they lay down, right? lay down that thing. And the whole thing is alive. Yeah. And, and, you know what I mean? You can pray, you can meditate, whatever's your yeah. thing, ladies and gentlemen. You can do your mushrooms and your cocaine, whatever's your thing, right? But the thing is just like it's next, like the photos like that they use and the images that they have in cool, 4D, right? 3D. I just love it. Just genius. Yeah. Because it's all about, you know, what is that blue ocean that you guys right now looking at, listen to this conversation. Think about how can you innovate right now in your industry, what is one thing that you guys can bring that is different? And, you know, that's why I, I had to give you this shout for that. But it's just, you know, freaking awesome. And it's got to tell me something. Yeah. You know, tell me something like um, back, you know, touring or even now, you know, during this COVID, what is something that, that, that that's bothering you right now or that bother you a lot as you are touring? There's something actually. This is what bothers you. me the most right now is that, you know, obviously being a technologist, I'm very close to the market. I built mobile messaging networks. I work with lots of engineers. So I'm not just a peripheral. I, I understand technology and I, I'm seeing it. And what I'm seeing that's very, very disturbing in a sense. And I, and I want everybody to go out and watch this. I, there's not a person on your feed that has to, if you haven't seen it, you must watch it. 
it's a it's a Netflix documentary, a film documentary called Social Dilemma. Yes, and Social Dilemma is about really how these networks can basically manipulate thought and move people in directions. There's also another incredible, the two things that I recommend for everybody, especially if you have kids, this is like, this is not just saying, hey, go watch it. I'm telling you, you must go watch this. This is critical, 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 because this has to do with humanity and people and how we live forward. Uh, but there was originally, and what bothered me, what, what started, there's a movie out, there's a, you can go find it on, just Google it. It's called Century of the Self. Century of the Self, and it's about a guy named Edward Bernays. Now, most people don't know who Edward Bernays is, which is fascinating because he's a guy that's been behind the scene, but he is the father that coined the word uh, public relations. He changed the word from propaganda to public relations because he knew that would be a much more friendly word. Mm. Him and his, I think it was his nephew or his cousin or whatever, it was Sigmund Freud, developed all the behavioral science things on how to control crowds, how to control pe- crowds of people. And Edward Bernays was the marketing guru. He did all the car, big carve things, women's rights to smoke. He created those campaigns. He basically just figured out ways and how you can influence people's thinking, right? How you can change their behaviors and make them do things, which is a lot of what marketing is and targeted marketing is is like looking for behaviors. So the behavioral science part of it. Yeah, well, like if you watch, are you watching your games, your soccer, your basketball? What, what do you see? Food, food commercial. They put a hot chick eating a hamburger. What do you want to do? You want to go do a hot chick? Right. You want to go do a hamburger? You know. And that's all fine when it's all done in a way that's that's okay. It's going to be. It's okay. You're not doing it in the bad way to hurt people. I mean, you're trying to sell your products. That's yeah. fine. You're getting people to check you out and hopefully you're going to be good because you got to get the word out there. But when it gets starting to manipulate the people to do things, it gets a little scary. So what makes me, I'm really more concerned about is this idea that we're seeing right now, how people, friends are fighting and how what's happened is when you take the theories or the, 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 the the, the techniques of what so uh, what uh, Edward Bernays did back in the day and you apply that to social networks how the algorithms can start feeding you whatever you want to see and you got the kids all day sitting there ding, 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 ding. we're feeding information well that sounds okay but what happens is those whoever owns the algorithms and whoever owns those networks controls the people Yes, because they don't even realize that they're being programmed to basically think one way or another. Yes, so I'm very concerned because I'm seeing things happening in in the social networks with censoring and manipulating media and doing things that those people have control of what we see, what we hear, and how we do things. And you're seeing it more than ever in this election. And what saddens me is we're seeing best friends now not being able to talk. And much of it, and most of it is really not necessarily about the person running. It's more on how the information that that person was putting out said something and they said, oh, they blow it up and they twist it in a way and they feed it to people all day long to the point that they believe it. They've turned, they're turning the people against each other for political and power type things. It sucks. It sucks because, you know what I mean? It's like these people, they don't pay your bills. 
You know, election will be over tomorrow and life will continue. And it's all this chaos, you know, and you've seen things happen with family members, mom and daughter, father and son, brother and sister, cousins, neighbors, like hostile communities. I was like, are you kidding me? What happened to like back in the day? You have a problem? Let's go for a fest. Okay, great. Hug it out. We homies again. We're cool. What happened? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's crazy, and I love it that you bring that point, social dilemma, because highly recommend, and I highly recommend a few episodes uh, before this, I interview uh, uh, Michelle Cannon. She's the mm-hmm. wife of the Karate Kid. I, I have her on the show, and that was exactly the topic that we were yeah. discussing. Highly recommend you guys go back to that episode and then watch it, because we touched that point. And I highly recommend you guys watch this uh, on Netflix, Social Dilemma. Scott and Very I, we are, behind. We are not producers on that. We have no ties whatsoever. We don't believe on the message because you got to be careful the way the things that you're being fed. Just pay attention all the things that are being fed on your social media over the last couple of years. And look how that shaped your attention, your behavior. Look how- You don't even realize it. You don't no, even realize it. it's unconscious. It- yeah, when you see what they how the algorithms work to keep feeding you things and driving you, and when you go away, they ping you with notifications to make sure, oh, I got your attention again, and it's really crazy. And when you're seeing is like this misinformation, and you know, again, some of it is people that are hacking the systems to change stuff and and get false information out there. It's so interesting because what I'm seeing, and this really worries me the most, is the concept of free thinking is going away. And the fact is, is you know, normally you're my friend, right? You're my friend, and I'm your friend, and I know you're a pretty solid guy. You're a thinker. You're a person. If you can't say to me, Scott, man, I want to want you to check out this. You got to see this, man some really information, information. I would normally, I'd just say fine. But all of a sudden you say, when they say, where'd that information come from? Oh, I got it. Oh no, I'm not going to listen to that. That's not, that's not any good, right? It's false. It's false. It's fake. It's fake because it's coming from a place. You see that the manipulation. And so as as for my, for me, I, 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 it's really what's happening is the insanity of the human condition, which is that ability to, for a couple main points, First of all, the mind is incapable of knowing truth from falsehood. It doesn't know what's right or what's wrong. It's not the mind. The mind can be told to do things and believe it's that's the right thing to do. It's really that consciousness. It's that voice in the back that says, don't do that. Do that. You get percent of it. Nah, I'm not going to do that. But you can see when the mind gets controlled to a point, and it's easy to prove that the mind is incapable of knowing truth and falsehood because if it knew the dif- if it knew the difference between something that was true and false or uh, and and was right or wrong there'd be no war yes there'd be no war nobody would say pick up a gun and blow up your neighbor if you if the mind was capable of knowing that that's not a good it's not the mind it's that conscious level and unfortunately i think the machines now are getting to the point where they're programming the people i actually believe Interesting enough, I actually, because, you know, spiritual path has been, you know, that whole consciousness thing is like my favorite subject because I, I just love that. I, what is it? Who am I? Where am I from? What, who am I really? Right. Yeah. Um, you're seeing, you know, the machine now, I believe what's happening is consciousness is, is reinventing itself. And we're, we're being, we're, we're, the machine is starting to take over. I think that we're designing the human race out through the machine. And what I mean by that is consciousness is everything. It's it's just energy. Who where we are at the quantum level is energy, and how that energy is controlled at the quantum space is 
totally it's it's we think who what we think but at the other side the consciousness unfolding so i think what we're doing is we're developing ourselves we're already the machine is starting to control us right and it's close we're already starting to put chips into people to connect the networks are coming up we now have not only where computing was before where it was on or off you know binary we yeah. now have quantum computing that goes not just yes, no, it adds maybe in. So yeah. now it's starting to get rationale. Think about it. All the the brain power of the world is getting put onto servers. So it's going to be as smart as it can be, right? Robot they, thinking soon. <laughs> yeah. And don't forget, we've got computers now that can self-heal themselves. They've got 3D printers that print parts as they need them and replace themselves. I even read an article now that they've got like nano computers that are reproducing themselves. Yeah. Right. So we're going into a whole nother world where the machine is kind of taking over and we're getting to that point. And you can see as it starts to talk. My biggest issue is who is building those algorithms and what is their intent? Yeah. And I'm afraid that I don't like what I'm seeing because I don't see honesty. And I, I it, it almost feel I hate to say this, it feels very evil to me right now yeah. in that no, sense. I there's a, there's something that's not right. This is this isn't a, this isn't from my point of view, this isn't an election about this. This is about a good and evil thing, right? This is yeah. about something that's way, 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 way much deeper than any of us. And I think we gotta we need to wake up and understand that. Why do I hate my neighbors now? It makes no sense. Yeah. It makes no sense. It's that question. It's just asking a question. Like right now, I'm asking you a question and we flow in. We're not reading a Why? script. We are not here to tell you who to go no. vote for, which who, which band to listen. And that's why I got into movies, Scott, like producing inspirational movies. And right. we're going to be releasing one in a couple of weeks uh, to help fight teenager suicide. Right. I was actually thinking here right now, as you are telling this, we need to produce more uh, movies and music in a documentary style to speak within those younger generations. So that we, yeah. because it's a lot of unlearning and, and, and um, you know, it should do. We got to do a lot of unlearning, some of the scrap that the technology has been implanted on us. And and, yeah. and, that, and one other question I like to go into, brother, you know, what is one of your happiest moments in life? Since I ask you what it bothers you, I want to know what does make Scotty happy? I mean, what is it? I mean, other than your children, I mean, what makes you like uh, one of those moments that makes you just yeah. like full of joy and, and getting the chills? What is what, what is that, my brother? It's, it, you know, that's, you know, what's so interesting about that? It's really, it's really, I don't know how my tricks, but it's really about most mix makes me joyful is that I can break away. I can stop thinking and I can be present enough to realize and be grateful and have so much gratitude for where I am. And that brings me so much joy. Just that, just that ability to, to, to change the point of view from being the thinker all day oh, to being able to be the watcher of the thinker, right? In that space where, you can basically, you know, one of the great quotes, stop and smell the roses. What does that really mean? It doesn't mean, it really means become there. When you smell the roses, something happens. You become so present. You wake up for just a tiny bit. So the joy for me is I've had some experiences through the years. I've taken a heavy spiritual path for, you know, quite a few years now. And, you know, I meditated, I've read the, the book, the power of now, like 60 times in a row. I listened to Eckhart for two years in the car. And, you know, what happened for me, which is after doing that, I was feeling pretty good spiritually motivated, uh, business rolling and everything. And I'll never forget. I woke up 
April 9th, 10, 12 in the morning, 2011. I remember it very clear. 10, 12. It was 10, 12 because I looked at the clock. I woke up and I rubbed my eyes and I went, holy shit. I blinked and 50 plus years went by, right? Yeah. It just, there was no sense. And then I realized all the spiritual teachings talk about time being an illusion. And I grasped, it is an illusion. Time is a total illusion, right? But what was interesting was, I realized at that moment that the little voice that's always been in the back that was there, who I really am, hadn't aged, hadn't changed, hadn't done anything. And I realized at that moment, you don't die. Like, and tears came down my eyes and I was like crazy. So what was interesting was I went back and I realized, I looked, I went and read the power now again, and the book was 180 degrees different than I thought. Without, after reading it 60 times, I, I understood it. Yeah. But after that moment, I knew what that book was about. Not understood it. I knew it now. Because that moment, it completely flipped my switch. So from that point in my life, the joy that changed from that, I mean, everything flipped for me. It was one of those things that just made everything. I realized that life can be more playful. Because the key to life is understanding to, to resist to resist nothing, just accept what is. The concept of something, once, once it's happened, it's over, right? It's it's finished. You can't, it, it's done. And I have people that suffer. I have a friend of mine, he got a brand new car. He was all excited, drove it over. Next day it got hit. And he suffered for days and days. And I said, dude, the car was hit. You sent it in, it's getting fixed. Let it go, brother. Oh, I just can't believe it. Oh, just, why? Oh, yeah all day long. I can't sleep. All this stuff, all this anxiety for something you can't change. Well, that's the insanity because you realize that you're identifying your life with a thought. Remember, everything else other than us talking now is an illusion. It's just, it's, it's a memory. It has, it's not tangible. And when we hang on to those memories as real, it's, it's crazy. We suffer so much. So for me, it's just, I, I swear, I feel like when I walk now, every time I take a step, I feel like that those cartoons where you see a guy walk and he's on this edge of this cliff and the cliff is collapsing behind him every time he takes a step, right? He takes a step and it's like he's just, he's right on the edge, but he's like there. That's the past to me. I feel like every, I swear, I honestly God, when I take a step, I feel, I actually feel that thing behind me just go away and it has no purpose anymore. I mean, it has, because I can't do anything to it. I can't change it. I can look back at it, maybe learn something, but I don't, it makes no difference to me. Right. So what makes me really happy is I freaking forged hard for years on trying meditating and trying to get to that point to learn what it is. And the trick, the whole game of it is, is it's being able to stop thought, stop thinking. But the trick is, and it's awareness, it's becoming so aware, right? Awareness. But here's the question that everybody has to ask and answer. How do I know I'm aware that I'm aware? That's the one that's the tough one because I can sit there and say, oh, I'm aware. I'm here. I'm aware right now. But you have, you'll be surprised. Like after two years of reading a book, freaking absorbing it, two years in a car, my shrine, listening to it, man, I thought I had this awareness thing figured out. 
I, my mind was telling me, man, my ego is, you got this, dude. You're feeling good. And then after that moment, and then reading the book again, and every word changed, the whole thing completely flipped. I realized I needed to figure out how did I know when I was aware that I was aware. And that's the trick. And so yeah. that that is a pursuit of something that makes me so happy because now, dude, I just, I'm a go with the flow person. And you know what's interesting? When you don't give that much energy to all those negative thoughts going through your head, you know you're asleep, right? You really know you're asleep when you think the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again. That's just, that's a pointer saying you're asleep, right? So the trick is, is waking up. And here's how, this is what I did, all right? So for me, it was like, you know, I got into this stuff and I'm like, okay, meditation, how do I stop my mind? You know, because when you, when you finally, I remember the first day that I was able to stop thought through a meditation and I went, oh, and then the next thing your mind comes around and goes, oh, what was that? And now you're messed up again. You're, you're, you're like, oh, I'm thinking again, right? Your voice is going. And so it's that little chatter, but I tasted it, right? That little taste. So from that point on, I went, oh, there's something there because once you shut that thing down you feel this insane sense of peace because there's nothing causing you kind of merge with the source in a sense i don't and i'm not trying to be hocusy pocusy or anything it's just a complete different sensation in the way you kind of view the world right so i i thought okay all day long you know the point is is that it, here's a great exercise the exercise is is many times in the day you can ask yourself stop where you are ask yourself where am I and what am I feeling like? So you ask that when you stop, put your attention, take a breath, attention, where am I, what am I feeling right now? And then ask yourself, am I feeling any anxiety, tension, or fear? And if you're feeling any of those, any of those you know you're identified with a thought, unless there's a lion chasing you or something's going on. You're identified with a thought because, dude, I'm having a glass of wine. I could be suffering. Oh! the world i'm having a glass of wine talking to you that's reality so the goal is is to kind of flip that to the place where the first thing that happens is you're trying to you're trying to you you're, you're trying to understand the watcher thinker thing right because you kind of go through this exercise and each time you start stopping and you ask that question you become a little more aware and then all of a sudden you start watching yourself and then you have this you go with this realization is there two of me how come I can't live with myself. I, myself, is there two of me? What is the, how does this thing work? And it's like, okay. So the waking up. So I figured, okay, I'm going to do this exercise. So I thought, okay, first day, no problem, right? I'm going to get up the next day. I said, I'm going to do this all day long. Next night I get in bed and I'm like, oh, shit. I couldn't even remember to do that once. All day long. I was, I, I was just locked into thought, you know, emails. Do, 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 do. I could not stop myself long enough to go, settle back down and do this because we get in this motion where we're playing, we're, we're identifying with this movie in our head and we're completely missing that what's happening around us. That's why you blink and you wake up and you go, holy shit, my kids are 22 years old. What happened? I missed that whole ride, right? I missed the ride because I didn't, I was too busy locked in the movie in my head, right? So the exercise, so I tried doing it the next day and I did it like once or twice. And I said, 
I got to figure out how to do this. So I took stickers, sticky pads, and I took little things said, wake up. And I put them everywhere in my house. I open the refrigerator. I get the glass of milk. Wake up. Okay, stop. Where am I? What I'm doing? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm okay. Right. Oh my God. I'm so tense right now. I can't believe it. Oh my God. I was locked into this business thing, movie in my head. I'm suffering. Right. So you catch yourself and then you go, oh, wait a minute. Hold it. I'm okay. I'm having a glass of wine. <laughs> like, the world's not falling down, right? So that exercise was critical because the, every time you stop and ask that question, you're waking up a tiny, tiny bit, right? You're waking up a tiny bit until the point, like you said, you finally have that revolution where you're, you're stopping. Where am I? And you're asking that question and you say, well, who's asking the question? What's going on? Like I'm seeing how I'm feeling. How am I watching myself? And then you start really looking at everything you do. And then the first thing you realize you go, I'm insane. I am totally insane because I'm letting all this stuff take me over. I'd see myself in a business meeting, right? And I'd be seeing myself, I'd watch myself in a meeting where I'm like trying to manipulate the deal. You know, I'm trying to get a close. I'm trying to close. I'm saying what I need to do. And I'm going, what the hell am I doing? I'm watching myself in the meeting. And then I walk out of there going, I'm a nut. I'm a complete nut. I'm completely out insane, out of my mind, right? So, when you say what gives me joy is brother, I basically oh, have now cracked the code. Brother, you have no idea I how cracked the code. Joy, you give me to talk about this topic. Maybe. I really, people listen to us right now. You got to go back. I don't even care that I can hear my voice in the back. It's all good if it bothers somebody. You can go. But it's again, it's understanding. Like sometimes, you know. I remember like going, being on backstage and you know that better than anybody, all the ego among the musicians and they seen you doing amazing. And, and, and you know, and, and, and you know, um, and you just hear and you see them in their mind, they're looking at the audience out there and they're like, wow, it's a thousand people in the room. If I get 5% or 10% to sell my course. And I, and I hear all these little messages and you know what I'm doing? I'm actually sitting down and I am praying. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, guide me to speak life into them. I don't care what happens. I want to speak life into every single person. In I don't care if somebody buys from you or not. As long as I only, all, all that I care that they take that yeah. message and they do something. If they're in a state of pain, if they're in a state of anxiety, knowing that the moment that you start feeling and see it and recognizing those evil thoughts, and you start having this feeling, these things that you are describing here. I really hope you guys go back and listen to this because this is the keys to the game. You no, this is it. There's nothing more important. The code. It's there's nothing more it. important. All the rest of the stuff is and it's, it's playtime. This is all that matters, really. You know, and it's funny because you and I we hang out to so many Oscar parties and Oscar events in the Los Angeles, and you see that even on the red carpet, all these yeah. people mean so much ego, so much, and, and I'm just they're like chilling and i remember you and i actually talking we're just like looking at all these people no it's <laughs> fascinating i mean it's you know because people are the movie you can see people in a movie walking and then this thing i mean that's what's scaring me it's why i'm saying this is really critical like the kids sitting in the back of the car i'm with my friends and they're texting each other they're sitting next to each other and they're texting each other so the whole time they're having conversation like this even though they're sitting there and i'm going dude they can you gotta do when I see kids eight years old, nine years old with cell phones and stuff like on there doing, I understand it's a great pacifier for parents to do it, 
please, I'm telling you what you're what, what's going on right there is a little bit. We got to be very careful. So again, I'm going to social dilemma, social dilemma. <laughs> no, no, I love, man. I love it. Wow, brother. You know what I mean? Anyway. Something that you talk about, you know what I mean? I just love, I wish I would have more time here, but here's something else that you tweet a while back and you say playing with David Gilmour was truly a gift. That guy yeah. is the master of tone and melody. I learned so much uh, from his approach to music. Ain't what you play, it's what you say. Hold on, say it again, baby. Ain't what you play is what you say. I yeah. love that. And, and it's speaking of learning so much from others, Scott. Yeah, Tell I mean, who? I mean, man. Who I have are, a few people. Go ahead. Here's the question, and now I want you okay. to keep it up with that thought, which is who were one of the most inspiring persons in your life? And why were they so inspiring to you, my friend? And I want to bring this photo here, man, because over here you're talking about being on the shuttle to the masters. You know, I learned you so much. Huh. But I also remember seeing another photo as you think through that question of him kind of, you know, he was kind of scratching on the back and then you was on the front and you were fired up. I couldn't bought that photo here because some copyrights. And uh, but but you are such a legend that you were already a legend as you were a student. But I love getting on the uh, because you are so you're world class, you're next level. And I want to know what inspires you, brother. What inspires you, and, and who are the most inspiring person in your life? And you know, why were they so inspirational? Because everything that you do, man, you're always happy, you're always full of joy. Every photo, every interaction that you and I have together, every people that I talk about, Scotty, every time you always bring the joy, you always bring the happiness, you always fire it up. You just cannot help it but bring it every single time. And I just want to honor you there for a minute. Oh, hey. thank you very much, man. You just made it my eyes water. Thank you very much. Coming from you, that no, means you got to recognize credit when credit is due, man. You're just legendary. I wish I had seven hours to talk to you because it's so much more that I wanted to cover. There is not even enough time in a day because all the things that we are talking about here, people needed to hear. We need to transform this conversation here into a music, into a wow. movie, into a documentary. And let me go talk to my homies at Netflix. Hey. We need this shit over here on Netflix. You feel me? Let's yep, yep. start. Maybe, you know what? I just got an idea. Maybe we should start doing interviews inside the dome. We play music and have conversations like this and yep. we'll sell it to Netflix. Maybe we'll talk there about you, go. you know, but tell me about that, Scotty. Who was the most inspiring person in your life well, and why were they so inspiring to you, my friend? You know, it, it's really hard to say which one was the most because I think there's certain people that had one. Yeah. First, I want, I, I won the lottery with parents, right? Yeah. I won the lottery. I, my parents were the best. My father was an incredible musician. You know, he was, I grew up on the television show, the Lawrence Welk show, which was early television. We, I grew up there. He was on that show for 15 years. Uh, he was a serial entrepreneur. We had boat businesses, lighting businesses, candy businesses. He was one of the inventors of the Wawa pedal, the famous pedal, uh, uh, you know, I mean, it was so incredible. So he really instilled a a kind of work ethic and a curiosity. He, he was curious and he was the kindest guy. And my mom was like the kindest people. I've just I just scored like I just got lucky, lucky, lucky. So that was as far as influence. He was majorly influenced. Then it goes down to I could name, you know, there's like five people that I really four or five people that really were influential 
and they're different areas of my business. A guy by the name of Danny Sawyer, who my, was my high school buddy, who was an incredible musician. His mom was my uh, English teacher. He was an incredible musician, but he was the one that kind of took me under the wing and really helped me and taught me. He was one of those guys that had the natural talent. I didn't have those natural talents. Like some guys can just pick up and start playing me. It was like freaking hours of grinding and grinding and just working and working and working. It wasn't like, you know, you see some of these kids that are like virtuoso kids. It's, I'm like, how do you even do that? I don't know. So my thing. So he was the one that really instilled that. Another guy was got me really into the music. It was a guy named Jeff Beccaro, who's the drummer from Toto, one of the legendary drummers. We had a kid band together and he was what I just explained. He was you know, one of those gifts from God at, you know, 12, 13 years old, one of the great drummers of all time. And he was doing shows like at 15 years old, Sonny and Cher show all this. So he was one of those gifted musicians, but he was a guy that really motivated me. And he taught me the importance of the groove time, right? He made me really think about that. Both those guys. So, cause everything happens in the beat, right? I mean, time is like, you know, once you start, I lived and eat drinks with metronomes, right? And, and got it. Once you start understanding how, delicate that groove is it changes everything because it changes a, 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 a focus inside on what you're listening to and what you're feeling at a, such an intense level that it changed everything you get to become a better golfer or basketball whatever no matter what you do right you you get better with the time so jeff was really important you know um I had a composing range team named Lyle Spud Murphy who invented this system called the equal interval system he taught me about life um when it comes to uh, one of my biggest influences that taught me more than anything was Diana Ross. Wow. Yeah. And I played with Diana and that's a long story. I could get into that. That's a whole long thing about her, but she, she really taught me about entertaining and understanding. Cause I live in, I love patterns. I always look for patterns so that I can try to figure out what makes things work. And she was an incredible entertainer in a certain way. And I learned so much about, presence of a of an of an of a live show being out in front of people and things from her and then going to dave gilmore dave was my freaking guru when it comes to tone master of tone and melody he completely changed my thinking about how to play because when we're earlier playing we're like we try to play a lot of notes you're trying all this stuff and one thing about dave when his solos are so musical the average, every anybody you don't have to be a musical person to just be able to hear those melodies feel that soul that comes through those through his guitar and that made me think differently because i would try to play much more complex and then i realized the key is playing melodies so instead of trying to play i'd go and people can go they can they understand what's happening right so he gave me uh i mean he really taught me a lot and the way he attacks the notes the way everything and when you start the more you start looking at things at a deeper level see my my whole thing has been this a lot of people go wide and learn a lot of things. So like to learn to play my saxophone, I took a different, more of a, a, an approach. I, uh, my guru teacher who got me going was a guy named Jerry Jumanville who just passed away. Uh, he, I really owe it to him that I'm a saxophone player today. And he was, he was known, he was, uh, he played with Rod Stewart, that tonight's the night solo. He was with Dr. John for years, Bette Midler. He was like one of the great saxophone players. And more than that, importantly, he loved saxophone the saxophone better than any human that ever lived to play the saxophone. He ate, drank, sleep, lived, 
everything, everything about the saxophone. So he was, uh, he was a big influence uh, in a big way for me uh, about the thing. So I was going to say, but what we did with him, when I wanted to go learn the saxophone, I'd go to his house and we would take one solo. And I remember the one to learn the saxophone was a Hank Crawford solo. It was called Easy Living was the song. And we would take each phrase, right? And we would play that phrase like for days. Blah, da, 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 until it sounded, until we were, we were so, every note was exactly the same where you're listening so hard that how long you hold each note, how you attack each note, you're hearing the subtleties of something so deep, like one thing, right? Forget about everything else. I'm taking four bars of music and I'm going so deep, so deep, so deep, so deep that you start viewing it from a totally different point of view because it's not about playing the notes. I could play the notes. But it was all those little subtleties of trying to play it exactly like Hank did so that I, what happens, you start to feel like you're him, right? So he starts passing a different type of something in you. You, you start to feel it. It's a soulfulness. And you, your ears are getting so tuned because you've heard it so many times. It's now, it's like just the little he waited a, you know, a, a, a thousandth of a second longer to hit that note. Right. So it's all of that kind of stuff. Okay. Same with the metronome, That's living with the metronome, hitting, just hitting two and four with the until you feel that stick sink into the beat and it locks with the metronome. So there's no space between the two that changes everything. So my whole approach to teaching and what I've always done is we take one thing and we just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And that was my, 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 my thing with this the spirituality, right? I took that one book and I said, I don't need any other books. I'm going to focus on that one book. I'm going to listen to this guy for two years in my car for the shrine. I just made that thing. And that was it. And because of that, it helped me, I believe, arrive at a dip to get to the point. Now that worked for me, right? That was the thing. So my whole thing is about I love that. go deep, right? For real. No, I love that. That's powerful. And you know, that book is also awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Great. <laughs> I have a signed one of those. <laughs> you know, you have a special signed copy, brother. Yeah. Hey, no, man, but wow, Scotty, well, certainly I want to have you here, man. You know, it's like, I would definitely, we're going to get you back here on the show, brother. We almost said sure, anytime, man. I love talking to you, brother. You're, man. man, remember, we bonded, bro. I saw you. And what I loved about you is you are a bundle of positive, uh, you just explode in positivity. And everybody around you and all the things, the events I've been to you, you have that. And that's why, personally, I might, I became buddies with you because, you know, we kind of look at the world in the same kind of way and understand that it's really about, you know, it's, it's not about, it's not about the outcome. It's really about the ride. It's really about what we're doing and enjoying every being able to wake up and be present enough to enjoy and be thankful and grateful because dude, we have a lot to be thankful for. The other thing I wanted to say that makes me a little nervous is I really am worried about this lockdown and what it's doing to society, what it's doing to the people out there right now. I understand the virus, but we have to open up there's yeah. too many things, the amount of people that are going to suffer. And I, I, I can't even want to think about how many people will die because of being locked up of, when it comes to mental disorders, to not going to the doctors, because we've already heard, I, I couldn't believe a statistic I heard the other day that roughly every month, around 150,000 people are diagnosed with cancer, right? 
right now it's only averaging 10,000 a month because you got 140,000 people that aren't showing up because of all this lockdown yeah, COVID scare. The hospital, which is going to get more deaths. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. And I mean, there's right. so many other things that are, and I'm so sad that we're not having the conversation. When you talk about the virus, you got to talk about the economy and the people at the same time. It's not one or the other because either way, we're going to have the, the lockdown I'm worried about is going to have way more consequences and way more death and, and destruction than we would see from just the, from the people from the virus. Listen, it's, yeah. it, it, I'm we have to live with this thing, right? Yeah. We have to learn to live with, it. we've got so much data now we must, we must look at the data and be smart and not get it. And that's why I'm just again concerned. I don't believe the I don't believe the media is giving the people the information like they should. No, man, but that's why really sad. Like, you and I, brother, we're gonna do it, my friend. And you know, I remember the days, brother. I remember the days, man, when I was just a little boy and how listening to Pink Floyd and ACDC and Led Zeppelin, man, it saved my life, man. Between that music and my grandma and the whispers from God. You know, I dropped the knife in the kitchen from not killing myself. And that's why I love helping saving as many kids as I can during yeah. my lifetime. I love opportunities speaking life into others. And for me, sometimes I feel like it's like it's a dream. Because a long time ago, I used to say those things to my friends and to my family in Brazil. And they're like, you dream too much, kid. You're not going to go anywhere. You are nobody. Your father died in a car explosion. Your stepfather was murdered. You was abused. You was you were molested. You were this. You were that. And I just let it come through here, brother. And I let it come through here. I say, one day, I'll you be friends with those guys that, that plays on the bands that I listen to, that watch movies on TV. They are running countries. And I will just talk to them. And we will talk. And we will agree to disagree at times. And we will love one another. And we will speak life into others. And we will create entertainment we will create more music we will create more movies yeah. we'll keep showing up to blow up we tell people that you gotta go through the test before you go through the testimonial you gotta go through <laughs> the mess so that you can see your message ladies and gentlemen an honor to have here today my dear friend scott paid for life is about the mission not the permission baby the days that break you are the days that make you. My brother, Scotty, I love you. Have an amazing rest of your day. Thank and you very much. Any last words in the best place from yes, this? Yes, the last word is this. The most important thing is the word forgiveness. <clears throat> we need to live in a state of forgiveness for they know not what they do. Those people that are doing things that you don't like, It's we have to feel we have to care because they're there. It's the human condition of being locked into our mind. So we need to live in the state of forgiveness because we all do the best we can. We all do no matter who it is and Hello. always look for the upside of down. Yes. <laughs> we don't need no education. Love you, my friend. Have a blessed night. I'll see you guys soon. Thank you very much. Thank you everyone.